thank you for joining us for God's Word today. I really believe God has something for us that's going to help you. By the way, we'd love for you to join us every day at 10 o'clock. Every day at 10 o'clock, we open the BCC prayer room, and um, we have a whole team of prayer partners, and you're welcome to be one of them. Even if you don't come to Bethany Community Church, you're welcome to be a part of our morning prayer. And if you can't pray with us, let us pray for you. Let us know your prayer requests. There's a link on the screen. You can go to our website. Let us know what's going on in your life that you would like the prayer support of this community. And we'd love to, be, we'd love to support you during this very challenging time in most of our lives. Now, today I want to get into the Word of God. And thank you so much for the, uh, the emails and texts that you sent regarding the subject of the loss of lament that we preached last week. And what what caused me to return to this subject was that several of you said this wasn't just a, something, a sermon you appreciated uh, because of the content of the sermon, but because it was something you hadn't heard before. And it liberated you to begin to have, uh, I guess the way I would put it, uh, a more authentic relationship with God. And that's what I meant to do. So we're calling it How to Pray Your Problems, Recovering the Language of Lament. Esther Fleece was a little girl, 10 years of age, and in her book, Faking Fine, she talks about sitting on a witness stand, being asked to testify against her father, who had undiagnosed mental illness, and had wreaked havoc in their family. And her father's sitting on one side, her mother on the other, and he pulls out, the attorney pulls out her diary. And the judge begins to ask her questions, and she was so devastated that her dad had stolen her diary and was read, going to read entries from her diary to, to put in testimony. She found herself lying on the floor in that courtroom, sobbing. And the judge comes over and stands over her. Can you imagine this? I just can't imagine this. But this judge stands over her and says to her, suck it up. And she cried harder, and he said it again louder. And in her book, Faking Fine, she tells the story of, for 20 years, not being honest with God or anyone else about the pain that she felt. Now, this sermon today is not about your public life. We know that in your public life, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. You have to not let people see you sweat. And, 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 and you have to smile through your tears. We know that that's necessary. It's not about changing our public persona. This is about your relationship with God. This is about finding a vocabulary when you pray and when you have that private relationship with God, finding a vocabulary for when life stinks. King David had this experience in a big way when his son Absalom decided he wanted to steal his father's kingdom away from him. And he would stand outside the palace and he would tell people, listen, if you would let me be the king, you would, I would listen to all your problems. My dad's too busy, but I would listen. And he literally stole the kingdom away from his father. But not only that, David had this best friend named Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's counselor and confidant. And Ahithophel saw he read the tea leaves, and he said, okay, the power is going to Absalom, so I'm going to go with Absalom. He began to counsel Absalom on how to defeat his father, and this was devastating to David. And when David went to pray, I, I want you to hear, I'm going to read in a second his prayer. I, David did not go and say, hallelujah, anyhow. 
David didn't say, God, everything is fine and everything is wonderful. I know that's all going to turn out. I know, God, you brought me to it so you can bring me through it. He didn't say those cliches that have caused a lot of us not to have a relationship with God where we could bring God not only our happy but our sad. Not only our peace but our stress. And I want you to listen to the words of David as he responds to this horrible event in his life. Psalms 55.1. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Listen. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, and I would fly away and rest, and I would fly, fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Then I'm going to jump down to chapter 12 where he addresses Ahithophel in, 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 clear, in great clarity. He said in verse 12, It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Okay, so let's talk about this. I know this is not a subject we've heard a lot about or not a real popular subject. I understand that. But I just thought in these times of great stress that we need to add this category to our conversation, this category to our prayer life. We don't have to get rid of those others, like I said a minute ago, but let's add this category. Lament means to express or to feel sorrow, to weep or wait, to mourn. Lament, Esther Felice says, lament is the language God gives us to talk to him in the middle of life's messes. It's not only allowed in the Bible, by the way, it's modeled in abundance. 50 psalms, 50 of the 150 psalms are laments. We see it throughout the scripture. I could take you to many passages in the New Testament where it talks about it. God gives us, it seems like to me, God wants to give us as many words to fill out our complaint to him as our praise to him. And we know we should praise God. We all believe that. Those of you that are church mice and you've been around the church for a while, you know that we're taught to praise God and we're taught the power of praise. And you know, you can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can lament and we can praise. We can do both. And I believe we need to do both to really have power with God. We have lost that category, though, in modern culture. Unlike Hebrew culture, Old and New Testament, we've lost the category of crying out to God. We still have the categories of positivity and we have the categories of self-reliance. And we have the categories of science and medicine. And I am thankful for those categories. I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you today if it wasn't for science and medicine. We still believe in those things. But God treats us as whole people. And he is a whole God who wants to have intimacy with us. And a part of it is going to God with our pain. Sometimes the church has not been your friend in this regard, you know. I remember a, a lady named Elaine in our church many years ago. My first staff position was in Tampa, Florida. And I remember a lady named Elaine 
who was having some physical difficulties, and she went to her obstetrician, and he recommended to her that she have a complete hysterectomy. And she came to the church, and people prayed for her, anointed her with oil, did what we do, prayed for her. She and everybody was totally believing that she would be healed. Because, by the way, I still believe God works miracles. I still believe God heals. But she did not get healed. She went back to her doctor. He examined her again and gave her the bad news. Now, her doctor was a spirit-filled Christian and um, really well-known in our area and really around the United States. And Elaine felt so guilty that she had not, in her way of seeing it, had the faith to be healed. And the doctor looked at her, and he said, Elaine, and he named, you know, he, he named the name of a very famous evangelist at that time who, who's, who preached that if whatever you confessed, you possessed. If you confessed your healing, you would be healed. And if you weren't healed, it was because your faith. He, he even said that Apostle Paul wouldn't have, wouldn't have talked in one passage. Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you know there's this place where Paul says he has a thorn in the flesh. And he says the reason Paul had a thorn in the flesh was because his lack of faith. He, he, he taught that, that Job, Job's suffering was because Job said, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. So Job's, Job's negative confession had brought all of that suffering on himself. That's what he preached. And the doctor looked at Elaine and said, you know where that evangelist sent his wife when she needed a hysterectomy? He said, right here to me. You see, the church, we didn't mean to do it, but the church has actually caused people to feel shame. The church, in our sincere attempt to build faith, is what, what, I, what I was trying to say a minute, second ago. In, in our sincere attempt to build faith, we've caused people to feel shame. And I don't believe that's what God has for you and me today. I'm concerned for those of you who've lived through real dysfunction and pain. Real dysfunction and pain in your family dynamics. So you, you've had to tolerate, in some cases... Very bad behavior, sociopathic behavior, or narcissistic personalities. Or, and some of you that are listening to me have wrestled with deep and dark addictions. And of course, some of you have lost people that you really loved way before you were supposed to. I can't fix your problem, but I think I can help you duke it out with the Almighty. I, I think I can help you to go to a place where you can have intimacy with God again. I think yeah, I can help you to stop faking fine. And, and you know, even without faith, even without faith, and I, I hope today there's some in, in the audience that are, are just checking Christianity out. But even without faith, all of us in Western civilization will still feel this cocktail of shame and panic and rage when we cannot bend the world to our will. I believe God has a word for you too today. I believe God has a word for you that through going to God in complete honesty and candor, we are saying once again, I am not God, but you are. 
The only shame in the Psalms of Lament, if you read all those Psalms that I talked about, the only shame in those Psalms is whenever the psalmist is talking about his own sin. And he's taking responsibility for his own bad behavior. That's called godly sorrow. And the Bible says godly sorrow leads to a positively changed life. Uh, Does this mean that we stop trying to reverse the curse of sickness and sin and death? No, absolutely not. Lament is just another tool in your spiritual toolbox. Keep using science and medicine, psychology, perseverance, and the force of your will. Keep using those things. But I want to add a category for you today. I want to add a tool in your toolbox. And that is when none of that works. When none of that seems to be working. A place of crying out to God and discovering God in a whole new way. Does this mean that we stop saying I'm fine when we're casually asked how we're doing? No, of course not. It, it, if you, if you are breathing, able to take nourishment, have a roof over your head, uh, reasonably good clothes to wear, you're doing fine. So it's okay to say to people, you're doing fine. I'm not suggesting you have to go around all day telling everybody all of your problems. In fact, that is the opposite. I'm, I'm, you, know, you know what the Bible talks about? The Bible talks about he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm talking about a secret place, a place for you and God where there is total transparency and total vulnerability. And I believe a place of total power. You know, I reread the Lord's Prayer this week. And you know, even the Lord's Prayer contains lament. It really does. When you think about it, when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When, when we pray for his kingdom to come, we're saying, this kingdom down here is not so great. We're saying, this kingdom stinks sometimes. We need another kingdom. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, think about that. We're saying, I need, I don't have the bread for today. Give us this day our, when we pray, forgive us our trespasses, we're saying, I've messed up. When we pray, forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me, you're going, you know, some people are treating me lousy. So it's not right the way some people are relating to me. So lament is a part of, of the, even the Lord's prayer. I, I just feel like in my spirit right now that I'm going to lift a great big burden off of somebody because you have thought that you had, you thought that you could only give God your happy and not your sad. And you have thought that you have to control the world with, with, you, with your positive uh, outlook. That you have to control everything that's going on and you can never have a place where you're not in control. But I believe with all my heart that there's a place of joy and peace and rest when you go to God and you share with Him the things in your life that are out of your control. I believe God would be so just overjoyed today if some of you would go to him and you would admit to him that you have some things in your life that you're going to give him, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hand over to him and you're going to ask him to control them. Let me give you, I'm going to revisit a definition of lament that I used last week. The language of lament is emotional honesty, brutally accurate judgment, and a holy and high view of God. Now, now let's break that down, okay? Emotional honesty. So lament is not just a catharsis. 
It's not just unloading your feelings. Lament is a petition to God. It's a, the, the psalmist, is, the psalmist that the, all the psalms that use that we would call psalms of lament. It, it's when it's when God's child. And God's man, and think about this. David was a man who was a great warrior. He was the man who killed Goliath. He was the man who was the king of Israel. He was a great warrior. He was feared. But yet he had a part of his life. He had a category where he wasn't the one to be feared. He had a category where he was dependent on God. And that's what I want to see develop in your life today. I want you to have this category. I want you to develop this space where you don't know what to do. Like we prayed last week. We talked about Jehoshaphat. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I want, a, I want a category to develop in your life where you're able to admit you don't know what to do. And so the psalmists are like that. Despite th- their intensity and, and their shocking candor, that he poured out his white hot feelings to God. Tim Keller says this, and I, I love this quote. The language of the laments are so startling that it will probably help you to be more honest about your emotions than you would have been otherwise. But the laments don't just help you to get honest. They help you to be real with God, but they bring you to the real God. That's the important. And some people uh, will, will hear the first part of this message today. And they will think, oh, that's great. I'll just start saying negative things and I'll feel better. This is way beyond just making you feel better, which I want you to feel better, of course. But this is way beyond making you feel better. This is about you going and getting to know your God. And that's the point of it all. That's why Jesus came to the cross. So despite, despite David's position in life, we hear him saying, In verse 5, fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. What an admission by a mighty warrior. Now, why is it so important to be honest with God? Well, first of all, because it's safe. You need a safe space. Lament, I think I made this point already today, but lament is an event. It's not a lifestyle. You're not going to go around and have any benefit from going around being unhappy all the time. And being sad all the time everywhere you go. No, lament, lament is an event. In, in, the, in biblical times, if you lost a loved one, you would put it on your calendar. For the next 30 days, we're going to lament. I think we're losing that. And I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But you know, today, when we, when we have a funeral service or a celebration of life service for a loved one, about 10 minutes after the service, we're going, where's the potato salad? You know, <laughs> but, but in biblical times, they put it on their calendar to weep before God. Now, I realize some of that's cultural, and I'm not asking that we become Eastern in our culture. I'm not asking that we become Jewish in our culture, but I believe we need a space where we can say, God, I'm hurting and I need you. So to be honest with God is because it's safe. You need a safe place. It's because you need your feelings affirmed. Proverbs 25, 20 is an interesting little verse. It says, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. You see, what's that scripture saying to us? It's saying that you need a place in your life where you're not made to feel guilty by how you feel. 
or, or, or about your feelings. You know, so much of our, our music is, is about rejoicing and celebrating and positive, and, and it's great. I don't want to change our music. I'm not trying to change our music. But we need, the Bible teaches me that I need a place to sing the blues. I remember when I was going through radiation, and, uh, you know, it wasn't horrible, but it was uncomfortable, and it, it, was, it was a kind of a depressing uh, thing to go through, you know. And the first day I go in, they ask me what kind of music I wanted to play. And I, I think I said Bethel or Hillsong or something like that. And, I, I, you know, I tried that a couple of days. And, and I came home, I felt, you know, that's, that, that's not, that music's not working for me. They're, they're singing about how great God is and how wonderful God is and how God has delivered me. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't upset with God about that. And I wasn't depressed. And I wasn't like, oh, I have cancer. This is horrible. And God's failed me. I wasn't at that place at all. But... I remember it going in like the third day, and, and I, I told him to play a secular artist. And I started listening to different music, and I was telling a friend of mine, I said, you know, I feel guilty. I go in for radiation, and I, I don't want to hear praise music. And I told him what I was listening. He said, that's, he, and, and my friend was very helpful. He said, that's because you need music with tension. You're in a situation where you're tense, and you're stressed, and you need music with tension. You know, Instead of feeling condemned now, I go, okay, that's how God wired me. That's how God made me. And you'll be surprised. Some of you who haven't given your life to Christ yet, you will be surprised how much God just has wired you a certain way and he wants to enjoy you as a human being. That would be a revelation to some of you, right? God doesn't say, suck it up, right? The next reason you need to be honest with God is because you're trying to let God diagnose the source of your pain so you can feel better. You're trying to let God diagnose the source of your pain. When you go to the doctor, he's going to ask you how you feel. And if you tell him you're uncomfortable, maybe in your shoulder, he will push on that shoulder. How does that feel? He will ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your pain level? What's he trying to do? He's trying to find out the source of your pain. And when we get honest with God, God begins to help diagnose the source of our pain. You know, sometimes it's my, it's my own actions that are causing me to have pain. Sometimes I find out I am the problem. Then there's that incredible lamentation in Lamentations 3 that goes, So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from God. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What's happening in that paragraph? He is getting his pain diagnosed, and he's finding out, he's finding out that he wasn't thinking about the goodness of God. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And if we were to go over to the book of Lamentations, and I told you what was going on there, it's just as tough as what David was going through, if not worse. But because the writer of Lamentations got honest with God about his feelings, he discovered the goodness of God. See, here's a key understanding, guys. A key understanding is learning the difference between feeling and belief. If, if you're like me and you read the Psalms, uh, it can be confusing because in, in 
like three-fourths of a psalm, he can be talking about how terrible he feels and how awful life is and how bad people are being to him. And then suddenly he breaks out in praise and starts talking about how great God is. Now, what's that about? It's because King David and the other psalmist understood the difference between feeling and belief. What I feel is not what I believe. That's why sometimes what David would say would be totally contradictory to, a, to saying God was great. He was saying God has failed me. God, God's turned his back on me. Then he says God is merciful and kind and wonderful. God has failed me wasn't true, but it's how he felt. God is great and wonderful and merciful was what he believed. And that is a really important distinction. Man, I believe that just helps somebody out there. I believe somebody just heard that. That's going to help you this week. Let, let's move to, let's break this down again. Let's talk about accurate judgment. There's this matter of accurate ju judgment. Sometimes that means I have no knowledge about where this pain is coming from. But mystery is okay, right? Sometimes when I lament, I face my own sin, my own bad decisions. Most of the time, suffering's not your fault. But wouldn't you want to know if it is? That's something you can fix, right? Then there are those times when, like David, you have to tell the Heavenly Father on somebody. You have to tattletale and tell him on somebody like David did. David said in verse 12, It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed and we walked together to the house of God. I've already explained the relationship with Absalom and Ahithophel, David's friend. See, it's, I want to I help you with something right now. Because it's, you've, some of you have been taught that it's a judgmental to identify sin, dysfunction, or evil in someone else. But no, no, it's called discernment. Justice that demands it. See, if we don't learn to, to pray the prayer of lament, we will not know how to get justice for the people in our world who desperately need justice, for the people who are really being oppressed, for the people who are actually being marginalized because of the behavior of evil and predatory people. You, all kinds of incredibly horrible things are happening in our world today. And I am so grateful as I follow people that are, are developing the ability to lament and they're developing the ability to look at society and say, that is wrong. That is wrong. We must do something about it. Where does that come from? That comes from understanding that calling some, something sinful is not judgmental. It is called discernment. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Boy, there's a lot more to say about that. that maybe at another time we'll unpack that some more. But, but, it's, but it would liberate you if, if in the presence of God, God could identify you. Who are the people that are damaging you, and who are the people that are dangerous to you? It doesn't mean you don't love them. The Bible says to love our enemies, to do good for people who despitefully use us. That's still in the Bible too. But God will help you to get better as you discover sometimes people are the source of your pain. Finally, we see a high and holy view of God. Every evening and morning and noon, he says in verse 17, I cry out in my distress and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me. See, see what's happened here? 
This is turn from I feel defeated. Why? Because it's working. He's in the presence of God. He's working through his feelings. And his feelings are moving from despair to delight. His feelings are moving from defeat to victory. His feelings are moving from I don't see any way I can, I can succeed. His feelings are moving from I don't see any way I can succeed to I don't see any way I can fail. Because I have God on my side. Because that's what you're going to find out. When you get honest with God, you're going to find out that God is on your side. You may say, well, well, if God's on my side, why does suffering happen? You know, that's a long conversation. But I want to tell you a very simple explanation. A very simple explanation is in the epistle of 1 John. And the writer there says, the entire world is under the power of the evil one. That there's a dark force that has this world under its power. And it's a wonderful discussion. I'd love to have you this some other time about suffering and pain and all of that. But that's the simple and short explanation that God is not the author of your pain. God is on your side when you suffer. You need to know that today. Let me read the West rest of what he says. God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them, talking about his, his adversaries, men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. How is this? David has all this suffering going on in his life, this incredible betrayal by his son and his best friend, yet he maintains this lofty view of God. You see, lament is to engage and identify reality. Our reality is that life is hard Man that is born of woman is few few days and full of trouble. The reality is life is hard, but God is good. <laughs> you need to look at one another in your living room right there right now and say, life is hard, but God is good. Those two realities work side by side in all of our lives. Humans are weak and sinful. But God is good, exalted, eternal, and on the side of weak and sinful people like you and me. David completely understood the source of his pain was the dark forces that resided in the heart of humankind. As I said, I quoted that verse a minute ago, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Biblical lament is not self-absorbed finding of ourselves but it is an encounter with a holy and wonderful God. It is, it is in touch with a real God who is all about bringing justice to the world. And he wants to begin by bringing justice into my own heart and make me a conduit of justice. When you leave this place of prayer that I'm talking about, when you leave this place of honest prayer, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to be more sensitive to the pain of others. You're going to be more discerning about other people's suffering. And you're going to be more merciful and more kind. And you're going to bring people to your prayer room. And you're going to give them hope because you're in touch with a God who gives you hope. Aubrey Sampson is an author who wrote a book called The Louder Song. And here's how she got the inspiration for that book. Uh, Aubrey suffers from rheumatoid arthritis. 
And she talks about a time when she was having real problems physically and other problems in her life. And a friend called her up and said, uh, go to a concert with me. And she thought, that would be a nice break. Uh, I'll go to a concert and, and kind of forget what's going on in my life. So they go to this uh, theater in the round. And uh, they sit there in the dark. And a choir comes out and begins to sing a funeral dirge. And Aubrey's sitting there thinking, what in the world? I need encouragement, and I'm down, and I'm I feel so distressed in my life, and I come to a show that's going to be a funeral dirge. And she, in fact, she turned to her friend and said, let's leave. And I think they were just about to leave. And they're sitting there. All of a sudden, people begin to stand up around them and sing joyful songs. And what the show was about, it was about this choir that was planted in the audience. And this choir begins to stand up in the audience and begins to sing joyful songs and got louder and louder till they drowned out the funeral dirge. And then they moved to the stage and the concert began, finished. And it inspired her to make the title of her book, The Louder Song. Listen, that's what God wants to do for you today. God wants to be your louder song. The funeral dirge is going to play. The blues are going to play in your life. And if you're willing to stop and acknowledge the blues, the sadness, the pain, the difficulties of your life, if you're willing like blind Bartimaeus in the Gospels who cried, Oh God, oh son of man, have mercy on me. If you're willing to stop and do that, the promise of God is that he will begin to sing the louder song in your life. He sent Jesus to this world to be the louder song. He sent the Holy Spirit to be the louder song. That's what we, we preach about in the church. We preach about a thing called the day of Pentecost that happened after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. After the disciples had been through the worst time of their life when they had watched their best friend and their Savior be brutally executed. And what followed that? was a visitation from heaven that the Bible says tongues of fire set upon each of them in the book of Acts. And the most phenomenal event that ever occurred and the Holy Spirit became the louder song in their life. And that's somebody I'm talking to right now that's sitting in that chair. You've, had, you've, you've not been able to acknowledge the sad song, but today I believe you're going to. And then I want you to think a minute and if you'll listen really carefully, you're going to hear the louder song of grace. That's why Saul, Paul said, Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. What was he talking about? He was talking about the louder song, the louder song of grace, the song that you don't make it up, but God sings it to you and God lifts you up right now. Jimmy Mayo is going to come and going to sing a song that's a classic song about finding Christ and finding his power through our struggles.
had many tears and sorrows I've had questions for tomorrow There have been times I didn't know right from wrong But in every situation God gave blessed consolation And my trials come to only make me strong In a lot of places, I've seen a lot of faces. There have been times I felt so all alone, but in those lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was His own. And through it all, and through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Well, I thank God for the mountains. I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the trials He's brought me through. Because if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? How would I know what faith in God could do? Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God, through it all, I've been through it all, and I've learned to depend upon His Word. in Jesus I've learned to trust in God oh, all through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon his word I've learned to depend upon his word I've learned Depend upon his word. I'd like to pray with you right now. We talk in the church about receiving Christ as personal Savior. And you know what? That gospel, that's a definition of the gospel, is that Christ becomes your Savior. He rescues you from the problems of this life. But I want you to know something. The gospel is for those of you who've never 
receive Christ, and I want to pray for you, and definitely. But the gospel is also for Christians. The gospel is also for those of you who already have faith. That you need, some of you listening to me right now need to rediscover the saving grace of God through Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you right now, okay? Father, I pray for those who need to discover the love that you have for them. Those who need to feel your hand of mercy lifting them out of the pit of despair. Whether that despair is their sin or that despair is their life experience. I pray for them right now. That a visitation from on high, a louder song will begin to play in their soul. And they will experience the grace, power, and joy that is available to every human in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for sharing, praying that prayer with me. And if you prayed to receive Christ and in, into your life for the first time, then please let us know. And we also have, uh, we have four videos we'd like to share with you. It's called First Steps, and it's just what it means. It's taking your first steps into a deeper understanding of God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Uh, also, if you would like to talk to me and uh, you'd like to hang out with me for a few minutes, you'd like to, you know, a lot of people, when they first visit a church, they, they want to meet the pastor, find out what's this guy like, and also you just may have some questions about the church. Um, you're welcome to our virtual hospitality lounge that we've set up for you. So I'm looking forward to talking to you and uh, sharing some time with you. Hey, God bless you. Have a victorious rest of your day and have a victorious week. God bless you. We love you. And we thank you for being with us today.